Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast on this episode. We're talking Utes in the Rose Bowl against Penn State and are joined by Matt Thomas from the Basic Blues Podcast and PSU Tailgate Talk to give us an inside look at Penn State. And then Utah gets a signing class of all signing classes for Utah. I'm Cameron and we got Ryan. What's up? And Scott. Let's go. Let's go, boys. It's good to be back. A little Rose Bowl action. The Rose Bowl is around the corner. Cameron, are you going? In my defense, (laughs) in my defense, I was just in Southern California. Well, what's stopping you from going back? (laughs) Fingernails? Did you put anything on your fingernails tonight? They're not painted. I should have just wrote, "A hate Scott and Ryan." A hate Scott. (laughs) I can't talk. I was going to say something else that isn't appropriate. There could this be children. Family show. There could be children listening. Uh, let's see. how many how many letters are in thesaurus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I am jealous. You guys are going. I'm not jealous of Ryan. He's going with all eight of his kids. All eight? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know how many. Wait, there's three I don't know of. <laughs> yeah, there's three I don't know of. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's going with all his kids. Uh, does uh, does the milkman know who they are? <laughs> Are you are you taking your kid, Scott? I'm taking uh, my youngest. Uh, he he gets oh, to come. Just that. but it, it it was just gonna be me and my wife, but it uh, turns out there's an extra ticket. So, well, can I be adopted? Uh, no, I'm still offended from your uh, from your, your hate speech. Your hate speech. <laughs> my, my hate my hate fingernails. <laughs> I have to say, I love the I love the. Uh, interaction i got on social media over oh that was so funny <laughs> my uh, williams inspired fingernails that i hate scott uh but no i'm jealous for you guys you know for me driving to vegas for the pac-12 game um and then just literally turning around a week later going back to southern california and coming back i just i can't swing it so i'm super jealous i hate you both for it <laughs> we'll facetime you from there i'm sunny sunny california baby I looked at the weather today because weather's been kind of wonky across the country. Yes, it has. And it's supposed to be next week. It's, there's, uh, I think, three or four days it's supposed to rain down and be a little chilly down in uh, Pasadena. But Sunday it turns, baby. It turns and the sun comes out. The temperatures rise. It's going to be high 60s. Perfection. I love it. It's where the Utes thrive, baby. I say it was a little chilly for me when I was down there. But you had your Mickey sweatshirt on. I did, I did have some Mickey ears on. Did your... Okay, speaking of which, now you, you brought it up. I was in Disneyland. I had Utah gear on for a couple of days while we were there in the park. And so many people were coming up to me and just saying how thankful they were that Utah beat USC. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, I had Disney employees who are not USC fans, like, coming up and thanking me because they're so sick of USC fans. Were they UCLA fans? I, I'm or? figuring. Oh, there was a San Diego State fan that was very happy. He yeah, because he thinks he's getting into the conference. <laughs> I was going to ask him about that, but I didn't. He was just like, I, I'm i so glad. I was so sick of hearing about USC all season long. Uh, there was a lot of, or I saw a couple of Oregon State fans. So it was... A lot of Utah fans, though. I did get a lot of Utah. Did you thank Utah the Oregon fans. State fans for helping? I us did. Get into I the did. Championship game. I did. But it was just it mutual was, respect, right there. It was. It was fun. Um, there's a fun conference to be a part of. You know, that's what Kyle Whittingham does. Is he just makes dreams happen for everybody across <laughs> the country? Utah football, the gift that keeps on giving, baby. Okay, let's jump into this game. 
you know, there's been some news uh, since, you know, last time we recorded, Clark Phillips will be sitting out. Kincaid will be sitting out. Bummer. I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked. With um, both? Or um, for, for both. Well, with Kin- Kincaid's and, is due to injury, where, you know, he's just not going to be cleared to play. So I get that, right? I, I, I think Kincaid plays if if he's healthy. Um. And I'm 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 kind of on the fence. Obviously, I mean, I think if if I was in Clark Phillips' shoes and I was a potential first round, second round pick, millions of dollars on the line, there's a pretty good chance I may be sitting out myself. And, and let me rephrase: like I'm not trying to come on here and be upset with them. I mean, it's their football career; it's it's their lives. And I I kind of suspect that Phillips is banged up, right? I mean, he didn't play against Colorado uh, due to injury. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Ray? I, I mean, from a fan standpoint, definitely disappointed because those are two huge parts of this team on both one on both sides of the ball. So it is disappointing from that standpoint. But I, but I get it. I get why they're doing it, and you see it across the country. I mean, we, we just uh, as same situation with Penn State, with Penn State, and other in, in Addison with USC's doing the same thing in their bowl games. So. It it seems to be what these top um, draft picks are doing nowadays. It's it is to protect their livelihood going forward, and I, and I get that, but it kind of it kind of stinks for oh, the fans for the fans for the fans because I mean if you think about it from especially from a fan a fan base perspective, the Rose Bowl is supposed to be the pinnacle of your season, right? Mm-hmm. It's the it's yeah. literally the most important game of your season. Yeah. And you've got guys that are sitting out voluntarily in the biggest game of the year. I mean, it just, it seems backwards. But that's college football these days. Yeah. It's it's everywhere. And yes, these guys, um, Clark Phillips has every right to do that. And and I think really from a fan base, there's no, there's no animosity towards him no, for yeah. doing so. No, not at all. 100%. Because we all get it. And he needs he needs to protect his future, and uh, you know it'd be awesome to see him be a first round pick, right? And you don't want some fluky injury to to get in the way of what he's worked so hard to accomplish. But yeah, from a fan's perspective, it's just a bummer that this is where we're at in college football, where your biggest players are sitting out in some of the biggest games. Well, and I think the crazy thing is it it has kind of become normal over the last couple of years for the lower tier bowls for guys to sit out, right? And now we're starting to see New Year's Six Bowls guys are sitting out, which really hasn't happened. I mean, I'm sure it has, but it wasn't as normal uh, that it seems like it is this year. So it will be really interesting, I think, moving forward with the playoff expanded to, what, 12 teams? How that looks postseason. Uh, yeah, I, I, I you're think you're going to have less guys. Right. At out. least in the, of those 12 teams that are going to participate in the mm-hmm. playoff, I think guys, guys are not. I would be surprised if we get to the point where guys that are in a 12 team playoff are going to sit out. But if you're not inside that top 12 and you're not playing in that playoff, I think that lessens every other bowl game even further than where we're at right now, and I think that it, that'll absolutely cripple star players from playing in in those games even further. Even even you know the bowls that have been historically pretty good and pretty big. Um, I mean, with this NIL coming in, you know, there's talk. Hey, do bowl games need to start? paying players to play in these into these games give them some nil money to say hey we'll give you i don't know 10 grand 30 grand i don't i mean i don't know what that number is to come and play in this game and not sit out now but if somebody offers clark phillips 30 grand to play in the rose bowl is that enough yeah, that's to forego yeah, I don't, being in the draft 30 grand round? isn't anything that's gonna cushion you if you end up tearing your acl and then you no. have to yeah, so I I mean if you're you're turning down millions for 30 grand and that I don't think that's that makes a difference. It might make a difference for some players, but not guys who are going to be first and second round. But the picks. guys that it would make the difference for are going to be playing anyways. Yeah. Right? I mean, and so it's just it's it's I just don't know how you solve it in today's world. 
Um, I think, but you, I think you view the the expand the twelve team playoff a lot like the NCAA basketball tournament. I mean, that's I mean that's sixty four teams, but you don't see guys sitting out that tournament to rest up for their NBA career. And so I think that I think you'll see similar in the. I I don't think you'll see as many sitting out um, if they're if they're playing for a national championship, right? Yeah. Right. So hey, and maybe maybe this will be the end of bowl games. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's changes coming, and not just this twelve game playoff, but when that happens, there's going to be repercussions of this that's going to affect the remaining bowls. And then there's still expansion that's still going to be taking place here. I mean, the Big oh, Ten yeah. keeps rumoring that, uh, you know, we'll look at expanding, not now, but down the road, you know, and there's always that talk, okay, well, who's next on the list? And Well, and know, then there's the talk that they're just going to leave the NCAA and right. form their own league. And I, I, it seems like the end goal and all of this expansion is going to be these mega conferences, right? You're going to have two probably mega conferences with maybe as many as 20 to 30 teams in a conference, which, I mean, I don't even know how I feel about that. I mean, I guess you you want to be involved. You don't want to be left on the outside of that, I can tell you that much. But when you're one of 30 teams... I mean, how it just how does that change the dynamics of a season and what fan bases have to hope for? So it'll it'll be interesting. College football is not going to be boring anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely not. One of twelve with with your odds of winning the conference championship become a lot more difficult if you're one of thirty. <laughs> well, I mean, you go to one in ten. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I mean, you even look at the Pac-12. I mean, there's out of twelve teams, there's probably. Four Four to five who legitimately have a shot don't have a shot. Yeah. You're in and you're out, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, granted, that can change over time, and 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 teams can rise up and 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 change that. But over the course of a season, at the start of every season, out of just twelve, ten to twelve teams, there's already so many that don't have a shot, and you're one of thirty. It just it. it I don't know. I don't know how how it, it'll work. I, I think uh, college football as a product will be. Very different, kind of interesting, because I don't know. They're going to be a NFL light at that point. I don't well, know. well, the way the NIL is going, it's headed that way. Are these kids even going to have to go to class anytime soon? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. What rabbit hole we just went down. Let's get back to this to the Rose Bowl here. Uh, so going back to Clark Phillips not playing, you know, obviously that's going to put you know other guys in the spotlight, other guys stepping up. I think Vaughn is going to have a big role in this game. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he's a starter on one side, but maybe Vaki gets the start over Broughton. This is this is such a contrast to last year's game, right? Your last year, you go up against the the best passing offense in college football, wideouts that probably should be in the NFL. Um, Strout was absolutely amazing last year in that game. So accurate, so dyna- so dynamic. And now you're playing a team who can throw the ball, but they're nothing special throwing the ball, but they can run it, right? They pound the ball. And so it's just it's just a complete contrast from what we saw last year in the Rose Bowl. And Utah is, has, over the course of the season, has gotten a lot better defensively, but have also had some games where, I mean, UCLA, Florida did not do well stopping the run. And I mean that's going to be the key, and so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what does Morgan do? Um, are we just going to stack the box and uh, and leave those leave one on one on the outside, on the island, yeah. um, and and make sure that we're stopping the run and and controlling the line of scrimmage? So it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, Morgan's approach to this. But yeah, I mean, uh, not having you'd have more confidence doing that, knowing that you had Clark Phillips out there. Now with Broughton, now with Vaughn, um, I mean, do we do we go back to a kind of a, a, a too high look with a safety over the top to give those guys some protection? Or I'm pretty sure you're going to see Bishop of the line of scrimmage to help in the run game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I think we're going to see a lot of linebackers probably in this game. Um, was it this? It was the start of the USC game that they only had three down linemen to start mm-hmm. the game, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, probably not going to see that against Penn State. No, I mean, but completely di- different offenses, right? Mm-hmm. The, the how dynamic Caleb Williams was in that USC offense versus a, a ground and pound type team. Now, that's not to say. Penn State can't throw the ball. They can. I mean, you look at you look at uh, Clifford's numbers, and they're pretty comparable to Cam Rising's. You know, so they can throw the ball, but they're not gonna. They're probably not gonna throw for four hundred yards in this game. Probably in the two two fifty range is is probably what you're gonna expect. And they're gonna try and run the ball, drain some clock, just as Utah's gonna do. So it'll be an interesting matchup with two two teams that are so very similar going after each other. Um, but yet not having a lot of familiarity with each other. It obviously bodes well for Utah if they can shut down their running attack and make them one-dimensional. But granted, we don't know exactly how our DBs will perform minus their best player on the field. But, I mean, the, the we talked about it previously, the emergence of Vaki, man. He has been absolutely huge for that secondary. You know, and he's just... Every game, he's just gotten progressively mm-hmm. better and better. I mean, he was huge in that Pac-12 championship game, so he'll, he's going to play a pivotal role, which the nice thing is it allows Bishop to go to the line of scrimmage, oh, Yeah, and and yet you're not necessarily losing as much um, in the secondary by having him so close to the line of scrimmage. Um, well, and I think some guys we haven't even mentioned that I I think over the course of the season has improved significantly in, in the ra- rush defense. Diabate has been a, a stud in, in the run, in the run game. And then Lander Barton, you know, a freshman of the year for the PAC 12. I think he's going to have a heck of a game. Yeah. I think mean, he's going to need to, especially against this rush. But attack. I, I almost think the the biggest factor in the, the progression of Utah's defense and, and is stopping the run is Peppa. Peppa is just a man eater. He's been a beast. He is. He just takes up so much space. He's he's basically got a, a a double team every every snap because he's so big, and yet he's still been effective even even with that. And him being able to eat up blockers, which just helps those linebackers, right? Diabate and Barton, um, just to to roam free and 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 read, obviously. So yeah, it uh, it's going to be a test, but. I'm like I'm liking I'm liking the matchup. I'm liking the matchup much better than I did last year. I mean, you're probably liking the matchup because we're not having a running back play corner. <laughs> that that is a bonus. That is a bonus. I do remember it was what like a ten eleven a.m. day of game last year. And we got word that it was happening, <laughs> and Twitter just breaks loose on. Oh my gosh, that was something else. Knowing that. You're going up against Ohio State. <laughs> Bernard is going to be one of your DBs. And you know what? And a focal point on offense, too. And it didn't get much better. <laughs> there was no pleasant surprise. I mean, don't get me wrong. The dude gave it all he had, oh, yeah. and you can't really expect that much from him, right? As but good of an it athlete was... as he is, to make that transition, having not played it since high school, and you not practicing it other than leading up to that game. Yeah, I don't know what uh, else it, can you it honestly it, it takes guts to do that. <laughs> but you know what? Like and I'll be the first to admit I don't I don't know X's and O's and I'm not one to be able to accurately question any of these coaches, but I still in my mind I still can't figure out why we didn't provide more help over the top. <laughs> To Bernard, <laughs> knowing that you got a running back out there against NFL wideouts, and you're giving him no help. I mean, I I would have rather Bishop play deep and provide some help and give up a little bit more in the rush game than what we gave up chunk yardage wise in the pass game. And the crazy thing, as you think about it, is it came down to a field goal at the very end of the game, right? Last year. But, you know, it was because the offense was so good. I mean, Rising was awesome. You know, the running game really never got going all that well in that game last year. Ohio State did a pretty good job of slowing down Tavion. Or maybe they just did an average job because Tavion wasn't that great in that game. But 
and it continues. <laughs> things are things are different. We we've got to. I'm excited about our rushing attack in this game because we've got some dynamic runners, and it it, it they're going to be harder to stop than just mm-hmm. the slow roll of of Tavion's train. No, oh, I definitely want to see this rushing attack against this defense. You know, we kind of started out talking about Penn State. That defense is their strength. Um, and so it is exciting to see Jackson, what Jackson's going to be able to do um, against that against that front. On the day of the game, I think Twitter's going to start blowing up when we hear that Charlie Vincent's the starting running back. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put juju like that in the air, Ryan. I can't take another heartbreak like that. <laughs> I think if uh, there's enough running backs that I don't think it's going to get down to him to be the starter unless they all catch COVID. <laughs> oh, great. great. What, are you, right. what, what else? Uh, you got cancer. Oh, uh, what, what, other, what other things you want to throw out there, right? Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> Civil war. Uh, nuclear war. It's always good to get Scott riled up. <laughs> We're o- we're over a week away, and you're already getting me all twinged on this game. <laughs> and as we look at this offense against you know Penn State, one huge weapon that we mentioned, Kincaid, will not be playing. That's a big blow, I think, to this offense. It's a huge blow, at least in the Pac-12 game. He was out there, and they had to they had to account for him. Now you're really. The tight end game's going to come down to Yasmin and Manu McLean. But, dude, we haven't seen him for a while, so I don't know. That's true. Maybe maybe Logan Kendall gets uh, a little little action in the passing game other than just blocking. I don't know. but I mean, I'd love to see McLean get in there and get some reps, but we just haven't seen him for a little bit. Well, especially with how well Yasmin has played. Yeah, I mean, Yasmin's your top tight end at this point. Yeah. And and rightfully so. He's kind of earned that. I mean, he's been pretty dynamic over the last last half of the half of the season. And Yasmin will need to be dynamic and need to step up because, you know, their their secondary, Penn State's secondary is probably the best part of their defense. And so with him being able to you know make some big plays, I think that'll open up guys like Vele and Dixon and uh, Cope and and our big four star guy <laughs> and Money Parks. Oh uh, yeah, I, I I forgot Solo's still on the team. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it'll be interesting because I think Yaz Yaz he's. Do you think he's shown enough where the defense will maybe double him at times like they did they've done with Kincaid? I mean, I don't know if he's don't shown think enough. So. He's He's had, but he's a big play guy. He probably had less than a handful of big plays this entire season. Now they've been some uh, of those have been I'd, big plays. I, I, I can on honest, the big stage, I can honestly but, think of like five, like forty yard gains just off the top of my head. He's been pretty. He he's been pretty darn good. You know, I'm not saying he hasn't been good, but but enough that the other team's focus is on him. But the thing is, you don't. There's not many teams or tight ends in the country that make big plays, right? They may catch a 12 yard ball here and there, but to be a, almost a game changer where they can turn a small route into something big. I mean, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's tough to bring down, and he can outrun a safety. Yeah, and I think that alone. Can will will re- require the defense to pay extra special attention to him. Well, if that's the case, then great because then what? Then and if, it, make, it leaves one on one for those wide receivers. And, and if they don't, I welcome it because I'd love to see a linebacker try and keep up with them. And that's the thing; he's our third string safety, and he's probably the fastest of all of them. Can you I mean, imagine if talking about this in September, talking about Yasmin being the focal point going into the Rose Bowl when you've got Keithy and Kincaid? <laughs> what, a, what a world, baby. What a world. <laughs> a crazy, crazy season. I, I think to kind of, you know, carry on what you're saying about Yasmin is maybe it helps that Kincaid wasn't 100% against USC. 
Because I think that allowed the offense and him to kind of take that role. Well, yeah, but he, I mean, he was big in that game. I mean, he he came up with uh, that crucial catch right before halftime, t- took us down to what the three yard line that led to uh, the the late score going into halftime. You know, he obviously had that big play in uh, the third quarter, goes for a touchdown up that sideline. Dude, dude was good. And and he's he's just continually. It's almost just like he's just getting more and more confident every game he plays. I mean, let's not let's not forget he had zero catches coming into this year, and now I think he's got I think he's got four maybe five touchdowns on the year. I don't have that right in front of me. And his his he he's playing at an all time high confidence wise, just knowing hey I can do this now, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm seeing the results of it. Um, but yeah, I, I think Money Parks is in the same same frame. That game for Money Parks in the in the biggest of stages against USC, dude had his best game as a U. Well, and so did Jalen Dixon minus the fumble. Right, I mean, he had a big game too. So you know, Kincaid was limited, Vele was limited, but it opened up opened the door for these other guys and, to step and up. And Tavion was limited in that game too. <laughs> that that dang toe injury just kept kept him. Kept him in Salt Lake. <laughs> but that's where I think that game against USC has helped prepare, you know, Cam Rising and the rest of this offense to have a game without Kincaid. And don't get me wrong, I would love to have Kincaid there. And I'm sure the whole offense would love to have Kincaid there. But in a way, it, 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 it's beneficial that they had a game under their belt without Oh, for him. sure. Oh, for sure. There's no questions, and and I think obviously with as much time, I mean, you, I've I've listened to a couple of interviews that Cam Cam has done, and just talking about all the time that they have preparation wise to study and and get very familiar with this Penn State defense. Now, granted, Penn State has the same opportunity to change up their defense and mm-hmm. the game plan against us, but I think I think you're going to see as a veteran. I mean, this is a veteran offense. And uh, playing at a really high level, offensive line, running backs have come into their own. Cam Rising's playing at all time high we confidence have, we haven't even level. We really talked about what Bernard brings to this offense too. I mean, right, right. I mean, he he shined on the offensive side of the ball last year in this game. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And but but I think with with the experience that we have, I mean, I, I think you're going to see some wrinkles. I think I think Ludwig's gonna throw in some things, and 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 the thing that we haven't even talked about yet that really could throw in some wrinkles. Nate, Big Man Johnson. I love love that they're not gonna count the bowl games for eligibility. That that's a game changer. It's huge because he was gonna redshirt. Yep. After that ruling, he came out and said he wasn't planning on playing because he wanted to preserve his redshirt. Now that he can. I didn't let him loose. Well, and I love that we've seen him on a few plays here and there. We've seen him run the ball. We've seen him now catch the ball. We haven't seen him throw the ball yet. No, he did. He threw it once against uh, the throwback to Logan Kendall that went for a TD. Was that Stanford? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, his, yeah, that's true. Um, I think it was Stanford. So. It was late in the year, but uh, um, yeah, he's only got that one attempt so far. But all of that running and all of all of I mean, you saw him a couple times in the Pac-12 championship game. It's to set something up, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see him. I think you're going to see him running the ball. You're probably going to see him go out in routes. I would be pretty confident you're going to see him throw the ball at some point in that game. We might see him kick the ball too. Hey, well, we haven't got to special teams yet, right? Don't <laughs> don't rush that. But uh, um, I no, I just think. Uh, I think I think they're gonna have something up their sleeve. All right, kind of the last news heading in this game. Place kicker Redding has announced that he's no longer on the team. Was that by choice or did he stub his toe too? <laughs> <laughs> Turf that, toe. It was that last extra point in the Bechdel Championship that he hooked wide left. Yeah, that's how he's going out. His last cook last kick was a shank. But we talked about it after the Pac twelve championship game. Special teams looked better. Now, I, I mean... Overall, yes, the kicking game still sucks. We, we've all been very harsh. I particularly have been really harsh on special teams this year. They, they've, they have been pretty darn good in some phases. Punt coverage, really good. Punting the ball at 
Knock on wood has been it's, pretty good it's this gotten year. Gotten better as the year's gone yeah. on too. Kickoff returns has has been better as of late. Um, we really don't get much in punt returns um, out of Vele, but he is pretty sure-handed. Um, but it's the it's the darn field goal kicking. And now Redding wins the job, and in the biggest game of the year, he's like, oh, I'd rather go be an accountant. Or he's transferring to Utah State with Mattaelli. <laughs> <laughs> well, he hasn't entered the transfer portal yet, so... If, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's w- done. Maybe Whittingham broke him, and he's just like, I don't want football anymore. But pretty strange. Well, Bef- why would you not like if you if you've dealt with it all season long and you're the starter? Why would you not want to stick around for the funnest week of like the season, yeah, going to Pasadena and playing in the Rose Bowl? So he, hey, clearly, maybe- he clearly has no ability to kick on the next level so maybe he's just like uh, i'm done remember manny bowen who that penn state linebacker transfer from a few years ago mm-hmm. yeah. quit the team because he wanted he got like a great business opportunity maybe maybe redding got a business opportunity you couldn't say no to you got some maybe manny bowen hired him <laughs> Well, now we're we're stuck with the thirty old thirty year old Englishman. He's thirty. <laughs> How come nobody has told me this? And he's only a sophomore. <laughs> but we did we did sign a local a local kid. Yes, to take over the reins. Hopefully, Iverson. What was his first name? Dex, I think it's Dex Iverson. If you got a name like Dex Iverson, you've got to be good. <laughs> but yes, pretty strange about Redding moving on. Um, That's why I think you know Nate Johnson might be kicking field goals. Hey, I think I'd have more confidence. <laughs> All I know is quite possibly what could have cost us the Rose Bowl last year was our punter dropping the ball. Yeah. I just don't want any special teams blunders to cost us this this one. That's all I'm asking. It's not too much to ask. No, I I mean I would just you know parting parting words for special teams. Um, don't, don't screw it. Don't up. embarrass us. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll do our thoughts as Utah heads into the Rose Bowl. Uh, we got Matt Thomas uh, from Basic Blues Podcast and PSU Tailgate Talk on the line. We got to take a quick break and we come back we'll talk to matt when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply all right utah fans you know we could try and talk penn state kind of get into the nittany lions but what better way to bring on someone that talks about them that knows them way more than us we got matt thomas from the basic blues podcast and psu tailgate talk matt how are you doing tonight Uh, i'm doing well how are you guys doing you know we're doing great we're we're looking forward to the rose bowl i know utah fans are looking for the rose bowl Kind of the first question I have for you is, what's the feel with the Penn State fan base? Now, California is a long way from Pennsylvania, but how are the fans reacting to going to the Rose Bowl and playing Utah? Uh, well, it's going to be mighty cold here this weekend, so I think we're looking forward to cal- going to California first off. Um, but I-, I think everyone is pumped for this game. I mean, not only because it's the Rose Bowl, probably the last uh, traditional Big Ten, Pac-12 uh, Rose Bowl matchup. Uh, but I think the matchup in and of itself is exciting. Um, you know, never played Utah before, so I think there's some intrigue there. Uh, from what I've seen on, uh, you know, from watching Utah, which is limited, you know, Pac-12 uh, after dark over here on the East Coast is a little hard to catch sometimes. But it seems like both teams kind of do things similar, get the same results, have the same kind of philosophies. But uh, and I think from the Penn State side, there's just a lot of respect for Utah, uh, the way they built their program and, you know, kind of, quote unquote, doing things the right way. So. It should be a very good game. We're looking forward to it. 
Yeah, so Matt, I've been diving in a little bit, just trying to get an idea as far as uh, this Penn State team, what they look like, their approach. I mean, as you mentioned, very similar to Utah. You guys run the ball, uh, opportunistic in the passing game, and really have a great defense. Is the defense the strength of this Penn State team? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, historically, defense has not been the problem for Penn State, even you know, going back decades into the Joe Paterno era and whatnot. Um, but especially since James Franklin has gotten here, um, Brent Pry followed him from Vanderbilt, uh, probably one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. Uh, last year, had a championship caliber defense and then left to take the Virginia Tech job. Uh, no hard feelings there. He, you know, Virginia Tech has a special place in his heart and honestly one of the few jobs he'd probably leave Penn State for. Um, but in comes Manny Diaz off of uh, the debacle that was Miami. And you kind of just hope from a, a fan perspective that the defense kind of holds par. In a lot of ways, I think they got better. Uh, stats might not hold that out in every instance, but uh, they're just a lot more entertaining to watch, honestly. Still the same kind of philosophy of bend but don't break, but they're much more aggressive uh, in terms of the different styles and packages they use. They have, uh, for example, a package they call the Prowler that has seven defensive backs on the field uh, and much more aggressive in terms of blitzing, when they blitz, how they blitz, who's coming. Uh, it has been really entertaining to watch this year. So, Matt, you know, we're talking about the defense here and, you know, we've heard Joey Porter Jr. You know, is going to be setting out the, the bowl game. Uh, get ready for the NFL. He's projected to go first round. Super talented kid. So, you know, as you're saying, you know, that's the strength of their team, all the DBs that they have out on the field. How is having Porter Jr. out impact that defense? Uh, I mean, it hurts. He's, you know, obviously very, very talented, but he, like you mentioned, he, he's likely to go in the first round, might be the highest uh, defensive back from Penn State ever taken in the draft. Um, so you can honestly argue whether or not it makes more sense from a long-term perspective for the program to have him maintain that status uh, because the secondary has been the strength of this defense the whole year. Um, on the opposite side of Joey Porter, you have Kalen King, who if Porter sets the record this year for in terms of draft stock, King might pass that next year. Uh, he is extremely talented, young. I think he leads the nation in pass breakups. If he doesn't lead the nation, he's right up there. Uh, has been locked down on, on that side of the field the entire year. Uh, replacing Porter, you'll have Johnny Dixon, who was transferred from South Carolina, uh, really came into his own, excuse me, in the second half of the year when uh, Porter was out and uh, missed some games due to appendicitis. Uh, and then behind them, you have uh, the second to the safeties, uh, uh, Jair Brown, who really great story if you don't uh, you know, follow. He played with Jaquan Brisker at Lackawanna Community College, junior college uh, together. Both came to Penn State. Now Brisker is having a great rookie season for the Bears, and Brown is not that far behind them. He's really the heart and soul of this defense. Uh, and then you have uh, Zaki Wheatley, who is nicknamed the Turnover King because he just seems to always have a nose for the football. So the secondary, uh, I, I you know, it hurts not having Porter, but I don't think you're going to see that much of a drop off. Hopefully. Okay, switching over to the offense. Does Sean Clifford have a PhD from Penn State by now? I feel like he's been there for a decade. Well, I'd have to go back and check, but uh, when he committed to Penn State, you guys might not have even been in the Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, 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 he's been, just to give you some context, he committed, I was probably a sophomore still at Penn State, and I've been out four years now. So he's he's been there a long time, six-year senior, fourth year as a starter. Conversation around him is exhausting, to be completely honest with you. Um, honestly, when you have one of the highest quarterback recruits in the country and the, probably the best quarterback Penn State's ever had come into the program, Drew Lar, uh, there's going to be yearning to have that era start. But and I think it, it's kind of developed into Clifford fatigue, as we call it, too. Everyone has just, we've seen it. It's nothing new. Um, everyone wants to go to the new shiny toy, but He's been fine, like, and that's not meant to be a slight to him. Like he's been just fine this year. You know, twenty-two touchdowns, seven interceptions. Not all of those are his fault. Uh, some of them are, uh, but he does everything that you could want a quarterback to do um, from a, a pre-snap perspective, setting up the offense, getting the right play called. He just sometimes has moments where you look at it and you wonder what he's thinking. Like a six-year guy shouldn't stare down his number one target the entire time, right? Um, but that's just 
kind of what happens. It's the Sean Clifford experience. He, the first game against Purdue, he throws an ugly, ugly pick six uh, to basically give Purdue the game in the fourth quarter with like two minutes left, and then comes back, goes seven for eight on the next drive and wins the game. That's just kind of, kind of what you get with Sean Clifford. So this is hopefully going to be his swan song. Um, he's He's been a great kid. He, he's been a great kid on and off the field. So honestly, can hope nothing more for him to come out and have a great game this, this last go around. You know, and kind of staying with Clifford there, how well does he do with pressure? It is, you know, I don't think a lot of, you know, on the west side of the country over here, we don't know a lot about Penn State. How does he handle pressure? Can he escape the pocket? How mobile is he? He, I mean, he's not Caleb Williams. I mean, you, you guys. Uh, <laughs> no, hardly anyone is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very, very hard to do what he does, but uh, he's mobile enough. Um he does if he has to stand in the pocket and make a throw under pressure he might struggle but he can get out he can extend the play um a lot of honestly this year uh the thing that helped this offense a lot is the fact that he stayed healthy that has been a problem for him in the past uh and when he was able to move around he saw some success in excuse me sorry again uh the, the blowout game against michigan where we got our you know you know what's absolutely handed to us Really, his legs were the only thing that kept us in that game for any portion of, of the ball game at all. So uh, he he can move. It's not going to be pretty, but he can move. Tell us a little bit about uh, you know Penn State's rushing attack. You got a couple uh, of freshmen in in Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton, who both freshmen, but you know it looks like just split the carries pretty. I mean, their stats across the board are are pretty darn similar, but but pretty effective. Tell us a little bit about this run game and how big of a, of a surprise was it that these two freshmen are, are kind of carrying the load for you guys? Uh, well, to take a step back to last year, you guys said that you don't get too much exposure to Penn State. Penn State's running attack last year was pitiful, um, just absolutely terrible. And that was partially um, the offensive line just not being where they need to be. Uh, you know, Penn State was, I think, a program that was impacted by COVID more so than some other programs across the country. It really impacted uh, depth at key positions. Um, but then you also had running backs that weren't really able to capitalize when they had open field. You know, so coming in, uh, people expected a lot from this group. Obviously, Nicholas Singleton being a five-star top running back in the country, national Gatorade player of the year last year in high school. Uh, the expectations were high for him. But I think a little bit of the nuanced discussion uh, coming into the season was don't be surprised if Katron Allen actually is a is a bigger contributor early on. Uh, you know, Allen comes from IGM Academy in uh, Florida, so he plays a more college style offense. He was more physically developed where Singleton was running the triple option in high school and he was a little bit smaller, needed to build out his frame. So that's kind of what we saw. You know, Singleton popped off early, had a 70 yard run against Ohio. Out of two 40-yard runs against Auburn, I think. Um, but Katron Allen really, especially in that middle stretch of the year, cemented himself as the guy that you can count on to get five yards, six yards every carry. Um, but Singleton did kind of bounce back by the end of the year. Not that you had to bounce back from, you know, rushing for 70 yards on a single pop. Um, and really kind of developed in those areas where he needed to, you know, the, vi the vision, the patience. And now uh He's not just trying to get to the edge and blow past guys. He can still do that, but he's, you know, can find his hole. He can run through guys and they both now kind of have that element of the game. So it's really just kind of been back and forth through the last month of the season as to who's going to go off. You could say, oh, well, you know, Allen went off this week, so he's going to just do it again next time. And then Singleton rushes for 130 yards. So uh, the last the last uh, month of the season, they both really came into their own and it's been fun to watch. Okay. So, I mean, Beaver Stadium. We we've seen, I mean, just just over over the years on TV, um, Beaver Stadium over hundred hundred what is that hundred six thousand seating capacity, and I mean yeah yeah we we round up to one hundred seven. Sorry, at the source, okay. At the All right, let's let's us. let's get let's make sure we get that right. One hundred seven. You got the wide out. How many how how many are going to be traveling to Pasadena? What what's the what's the attendance going to look like from Penn State? Uh, I think as many as we can get. I saw um, they mentioned in the uh, press conference last week that the Penn State allotment sold out in, I think, about three minutes. Um, so people are, are pumped for this game. I'm sure there's going to be people buying them uh, on the, the secondhand market. If I could be there. I would be there. A lot of people that I know are going. So uh, I think you're, Penn State 
always travels well. It's one of the things that helps us get bowl games that maybe we don't deserve all the time. But I think you're going to see a lot of white in, in Pasadena come a new year. Now, that, that's good. I mean, we went, we were in the Rose Bowl last year, and it was against Ohio State. Everybody was just in red, mm-hmm. right? And so now we've got yeah. the contrast, blue and red. And I'm, I'm not sure Ohio State last year, there was a little disappointment that they weren't in the playoff. And yeah. so the Rose Bowl was kind of a, you know, a backup uh, for them. So it'll be exciting to have uh, have a good showing from Penn State as far as from a fan base, just kind of add to the overall excitement of the of the game itself. Yeah, I mean, with you know, a week to go left in the season, we were thinking that we were probably going to end up in the Citrus Bowl. So uh, we'll gladly take with the Rose Bowl. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we didn't even think we'd be playing for a conference championship on the last week. So yeah, we were looking yeah, very at good point. the Vegas Bowl a couple weeks ago. Yeah, well, college football is fun like that, isn't it? So, you know, kind of taking a step back um, from the Rose Bowl, just very quickly, you know, there is some history, if you want to call it history, maybe some drama is a better way to put it, between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten with USC and UCLA, you know, jumping ship. How is it being perceived from Penn State, from Big Ten, about USC and UCLA coming over? Are, Are teams excited? Are they like, ah, oh, we don't want to go all the way to California a couple times a year? Kind of what, what's the feel with that, with that expansion? Uh, I mean, honestly, I heard a lot of the, the Big Ten teams at Media Day kind of say they didn't even realize it happened. Now, that granted, that had only happened like maybe a week before Big Ten Media Day. So, I, I mean, I think the, the response is kind of mixed. Um, you know, you'll have your more traditional fans that think that the Big Ten is a Midwest program, honestly. Some of your more traditional Big Ten fans don't even like Penn State being in the conference. So um, th- there's that. But I think a lot of people also recognize that the money is going to be very beneficial in terms of recruiting and that arms race that everyone falls into. Um, and that it's really kind of the way college football is going, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone is pumped to see a two mega conferences, but that might be where we're going. So uh, might as well be us rather than someone else. So, uh, you know, I think I think fans will adjust and it's going to have some good matchups coming coming on. So be excited to see uh, USC or UCLA come to Happy Valley when it's 20 degrees and at the end of November. Though, yeah, that's a, that, I think that's what we're all looking forward to, because it seems like in the Pac-12 schedule, U, USC and UCLA both. When it came time to travel to Colorado or Salt Lake, they got the early season when it wasn't bad weather. And so I don't, I don't think they're going to get that luxury going to Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State. Yeah, they, they definitely <laughs> dictated a lot um, in the Pac-12. And yeah, that's not going to be happening. So you guys, you guys enjoy them. And, uh, and we'll, from afar, we'll just kind of laugh at them. Hey, well, uh, you know, there might be there might be more room, you know. We're thinking maybe Oregon, maybe Washington. Who knows? There might be a place for Utah. Hey, don't yeah, don't don't leave us out of the out <laughs> in the cold here. <laughs> yeah. And just as far as Pac-12, I don't think there's harsh feelings with the Big Ten. I think it's more everyone just hates USC and UCLA. So <laughs> when they're when they're in your conference, please just destroy them year in and year out. That's that's all we re- <laughs> that's all we really want from the remaining schools in the in the Pac-12. I think, well, I think everyone kind of has that feeling about USC. You either love them or you, you hate them. Don't know that much about UCLA. Don't really have a strong opinion one way or another, but I'm sure, I'm sure I'll form one over time. Didn't really have a strong opinion on Rutgers and Maryland joining the conference, and we've grown to not like them in the you know, five or six years <laughs> that they've been here so far. So. It's amazing how that happens, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're not, we're not the SEC type of crowd. We're not going to be chanting or cheering for Big Ten teams, so. <laughs> good, good. All right, jumping back in this Rose Bowl, uh, you know we're you know several days out from it, but really, Matt, just before we let you go, kind of want to get your thoughts overall. How you think this this game is going to go, and you know if you have any early predictions? Yeah, I, I mean, what the line is still two and a half. I think that's what I just saw that. Yeah, um, it's really it's really a coin flip. Um, you know, either way, I, again, you guys correct me if I'm wrong if I have the wrong read of Utah. It seems like they very much like Penn State are, are a momentum team from the games that I've seen, you know, the Rose Bowl last year, Florida this year, uh, the, the Pac-12 championship game this year, it seems kind of like once you get them rolling, 
it's kind of hard to, to stop them. Uh, Penn State works that way sometimes, too. Uh, so I think it's going to be a good game. Um, right now, if I had to put a score on it, I think I have it at Penn State winning 34-31. It's really a coin flip. I'm kind of 51-49 both ways. I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see it happen either way. Um, but I'll tell you, if Utah were to win this game, what would probably happen, I think, is Penn State would jump out to an early lead. That's kind of you know what we do at times. And then the offense goes stale. Um, can't move the ball, can't score. The defense is on the field a lot. And then that that grind of the game just, just wears them down and eventually uh, it leads to a comeback. Uh, I kind of say that watching Penn State football is kind of watching the same six game scenarios play out against different teams. Uh, and that's one that I could easily see playing out this time too. But who knows? And I, I sat in Beaver Stadium last year and watched Penn State lose in seven overtimes to Illinois. So nothing with this team surprises me ever. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, Matt. Before we let you go, uh, you know, where can Utah fans uh, read, listen to your stuff? And, you know, they're fans like us. We want to get to know the opponent for Utah leading up to the game. So, so what are some, some social media sites and whatnot that Utah, Utah fans can get your stuff? Yeah, sure. So you can um, follow the writing that I do at uh, Basic Blues Nation at Basic Blues on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the podcast that we have going on. We actually going to have our, our um, Utah episode coming up, I think, in the next day or two uh, at PSU Tailgate Talk. Um, you know, my social, I have to check. Oh my gosh, I don't even know my own social Twitter handle, uh, MGAT1408. Uh, so any one of those sources, you can get some information, you know, pass along the good Penn State content when we see it. Uh, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of it building up to this game. So there's going to be a lot of media attention and it's going to be exciting, I think. Perfect, Matt. Thanks so much, buddy. Have a good one. Yeah, no, thank you guys. Thanks, Matt. Thank Appreciate you. you coming on. All right. Big thanks to Matt. You know, really giving us that inside look uh, into Penn State and a perspective from someone that you know, follows it very closely. Uh, we're up against another break. When we come back. Let's talk about the signing class you taught us, Scott. Utah has a historical signing day with the class, the highest rating class Utah's ever signed, currently sitting at 22 in the country. That was a great day for the Utes. Historic. I mean, for years, Utah's success has, has come because they just developed these, you know, low three-star guys. You know, historically, they've been kind of... Um, They've been in the in the fifties, the forties, getting up into the thirties. Now to get a top twenty class when all is said and done, um, that's pretty scary for the rest of the Pac twelve. Considering Utah's the back back to back conference champions, and now we're starting to recruit at the top of the conference in all aspects of the game. It's not just not defense. just defense, right? Yeah, I mean this. I mean this class is loaded. Um, if you factor in transfers, 10 four-stars will be in this class. That's pretty remarkable. Where Utah's been, where we used to, like, if we got two four-stars in a class, we thought we were living large. <laughs> I mean, it's it's absolutely O-line-wise. Um, Whittingham did uh, yesterday in the press conference said they just have an embarrassment of riches at O-line. I mean, you just signed two four-star tackles in this class. A third guy who, who was not a four-star, but Kyle said he's every bit as good as the other two. Um, and and yet, what you already still have in the program. I mean, it's just Utah's just taking that next step to not only be compete for conferences, but to make that next step and well, the, and this is what take we, a shot at that playoff. Tw- was it? 11, 12 years ago when we joined the conference, this is what we were saying USC did year after year after year, signed classes like this. And now it's us, which is awesome, but kind of like, wow. No, it's, it's, it's absolutely remarkable what Kyle Winningham and this staff have, have built Utah football into. It's a machine. Mm-hmm. It's a machine that just reloads. It's not a rebuild. Uh, you know, you don't have a good year, and then it takes three more years to have another solid year. It's year after year. You've got so much talent in this program now that they just reload positions that move on. 
and they're now a destination for transfers. And if Utah, it's looking like Utah is starting to play the NIL game. I mean, today there's an article that Pitt's coach, Pat Narduzzi, in his press conference yesterday, threw Utah under the bus for stealing um, Daedron Zipperer, a wide receiver who was committed to Pitt, but apparently we flipped him because of NIL, he, he says. And and which is funny because uh, Zipper is probably one of the lowest rated recruits in our class. So I'm pretty sure we weren't throwing NIL money at him. I Going off with the NIL stuff, it's interesting because I've kind of had the feeling that that was going to kind of push Kyle out of, of, college, mm-hmm. of coaching college football. And it seems like this year Kyle is just embracing it. And it's fun. Like winning is fun and getting highly rated recruits. It's very fun. And that's why Kyle's so good is because he embraces the present and he adapts. He doesn't stick in his ways and just keep doing it the same way he 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 had been doing it. He continually adapts and you're seeing that in the transfer portal. And I think now you're seeing it through NIL where we're playing the game. Hey, if this is how the game's going to be played, let's step up and let's participate. You're in playing it. that game and winning solves a lot of problems. I mean... I don't. When I say this, I'm not. I don't want to compare Utah to Alabama. But when you think Alabama has good year after year after year because they consistently win and can recruit anybody they want. Again, not saying that we're on the same level, but you're seeing the same effects of winning. And what? Why would Kyle Whittingham want to step away? No, hey. from that when this is what you get from it. Well, and that's a, that, that's the point, right? Is he's built the machine. The machine is kind of running itself now, mm-hmm. right? You've built the culture, you form the program, and I'm not saying recruiting's take takes care of itself. You know, th- that's no, no. not the case. You <laughs> still got to get out there. You still got to evaluate because that's what Utah has had their success on is finding these diamonds in the rough, finding these low three-star kids that are being passed over by the big big teams and and projecting, finding guys, all right, you may play you you played quarterback in in high school, but we're going to switch you to a safety in college. And and then the development that they're able to do with these low-level recruits and turn them into draft picks and filling NFL rosters and now if you're going to develop four-star kids, you're going to have first-rounders year after year after year coming out of this program, mm-hmm. right? Which is what you're saying with Alabama and, and those big teams. Now, granted, yes, we're still not there. You know, I mean, if you want to truly do that, you probably need to be inside your, inside the top 10 annually in recruiting. But... Being top 20 from where we have been mm-hmm. is a huge accomplishment for this staff and for this program. It probably brings headaches you haven't had in the past as well. I mean, I can see from a coaching standpoint, in the past, you've had these kids who you bring in, you see the talent, you move them around, you develop them, and it, and it works. Now you've got first string, second string, third string guys that can compete anywhere in this country and they all want to be on the field, but they all can't be on the field. So now the coaches have bigger issues than they've had to deal with in the past. Which is where I think this transfer portal comes into play. And with, with basically everything in favor of the student athlete now, you can transfer on a whim. Heck, you can transfer year after year after year. If you want to play for five teams Go ahead, go play transfer five well, times. JT, Slavis, Slavis, No, I mean it's 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 happening year after year after year. But here's, but it's not happening at Utah. We've lost two guys this year to the transfer portal, and both are guys. One who never could crack the really the three deep at linebacker, mm-hmm. even though he was a four star recruit. And Mataele, who lost his starting job early on in the year, those are your only two guys that have entered the transfer portal. So you have a lot of talent that hasn't been getting reps yet that's not running away looking for playing time elsewhere. That speaks to Utah's culture. Well, sure. 
and the fact that they want to be here, even though maybe they're not getting time yet or their time hasn't come yet. And I mean, that just speaks volumes, I think, overall to this program and what Whittingham's developed. But year after year, when you just keep replenishing it with these types of recruiting classes, it's pretty remarkable. And and you're going to see it next year. I mean, heck, we just we just went back to back playing in the Rose Bowl for the second straight year. And next year, we may have the best team we've ever had if a few key guys decide come to come back. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. And I, I think with, with recruiting, it is, you know, it's like a two, three-year cycle. And so it'll be interesting to see even down the road what these two Rose Bowls will do. Because, I mean, obviously this class is a benefit of, of the Rose Bowl last year. And now when you have back-to-back Pac-12 championship games, back-to-back Rose Bowl appearances, and just the way that Utah handled USC this year, it will be interesting, you know, one year, two year from now, to kind of see that cycle kind of keep keep moving in Utah's more, uh, favor. Right. Uh, right. Who's just just going quickly? Who uh, like who stands out in this class? Like who who are you most excited about? I gotta go with Dijon Stanley, dude. I love myself some Dijon Stanley. <laughs> He's gonna be good. Three four-star running backs in this class alone. Three, Cam. Count with me. Dijon Stanley is is probably one of my favorite guys in this class. Ricky Parks is out. I'm sorry. I think Rick, Ricky <laughs> and Charlie Vincent may be late transfer portal entries. Yeah, I think you've said there's two guys in, that have transferred out of Utah. There might be some more. Oh, yeah. well, And, and especially after spring after ball, spring I think ball. we're going to see that. And you know, best best of luck um, to whoever does. It's just the nature of the beast now with, with college football. Uh, I think I think for me, um, John Randall out of Wichita is I am excited about him, and that's a place Utah does not recruit very often, if if ever. Uh, but getting that running back out of out of Kansas, I think is is big, and I I he's got a lot of upside from everything I'm reading, everything I'm hearing. He's a big time recruit. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's kind of hard. I mean, CJ Blocker, I get really excited about him and Snowden, two four star corners. He he decommits from Utah in October, basically goes out to USC. He I think he tripped to Oklahoma, um, and there I mean there were some big boys that were coming after him, and and then we were able to retain his commitment again, and which is huge. But I think for me, what I'm most excited about is two four-star tackles in this class, in Caleb Lomu and Spencer Fonnell. And Fonnell bringing his, his little bro, from, or I guess his big bro, from uh, a defensive end from BYU as well, highly recruited kid. So, no, I mean... Big get with Hunter Clegg, too. Cause yeah. He, he was committed was. to Stanford, and, and a lot of... And USC wanted him... BYU obviously wanted him. Well, and let's not forget, there is still, come February, Walker Lions, the top-rated uh, tight end prospect in the country. Uh, it's looking like it's going to come down to Utah and USC. USC doesn't use I mean, tight ends. Georgia's also in the mix. Yeah, and that's true. Georgia, Georgia's, I think he's tripping to Georgia mm-hmm. here, maybe even this weekend. So um, if we get him, that could put us in a top, finish in the top 15 in this class. Huge. And there's still, there's still some transfer spots available too. I think Utah's in on a transfer uh, wide out from Idaho State that's pretty sought after. Um, and another wide out. So, yeah, I'll tell you, reloading, baby. The Utes are reloading. All right, before we wrap this show up, let's get into some predictions. This Rose Bowl between Utah and Penn State, currently, as we're recording this, it's a two and a half point spread in favor of Penn State. Boo! Ryan, we'll kick it over to you. How do you think this game goes and what's your score? I think it's close early, and I think Utah wears them out. I I think it's a little different than our friend Matt uh, predicted. I'm going to say Utah 38, Penn State Twenty-four. Wow! Wow! wow. Scott, where are you going? I'm not going quite as high scoring as that. I think. I think you know this is not going to be what last year's Rose Bowl was. You know, high forties, just track meet up and down the field. I think. I think 
both defenses are going to play pretty darn well. And I think you're going to limit the scoring a little bit. But uh, I've got Utah Shocker coming away with this. Uh, I'm going to final score Utah 28, Penn State 21. Oh, and, and how far do you have Penn State winning, Cam? <laughs> <laughs> Since you picked USC in the yeah, Pac-12 I, I championship think, game, I think, I think actually, you got to keep it going. If, if I pull up your contract right now, you are <laughs> obligated to uh, to pick them. So I'm not I'm not going that way. I kind of think this will be a really a grind out game, but I think Utah wins this, 35, Penn State 28. That will do it for this episode, Ryan. Where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And you can also find me at the Rose Bowl. Me too, buddy. Hey, you guys. <laughs> Scott, where can people find you? Well, I'll first be on I-15 traveling down <laughs> to the game. Uh, but then I'll be arriving in sunny, sunny Pasadena. Probably get a nice little suntan. You know, bronze up a little bit. And then I'll watch the Utes uh, take care of business against uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions. What is a nit- Nittany Lion? We should have asked uh, oh, We, we should have asked Matt Thomas this. I guess we could always Google it too. But uh, but then ultimately, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can listen to us at our home at utahmanpodcast.com and anywhere you listen to a podcast we are there and hopefully we're all correct and utah gets a big win in the rose bowl go utes go utes go utes will be till i die Ki-yay! we're good let's cut it the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the university of utah